Welcome to the Ohio State University Winter Quarter Commencement, held Sunday, March 20, 2005 at St. John Arena. 1,334 graduates received their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is Eugenie C. Scott, the Executive Director of the National Center for Science Education, Incorporated. gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the 371st commencement of The Ohio State University. I'm honored to preside at this important ceremony as this university bestows its academic degrees on today's graduates. At each commencement, we ask a noteworthy individual to make remarks to our graduating class. This quarter, we are honored to have a world-renowned scholar speak to our graduates and guests. Dr. Eugenie C. Scott served on the faculties of the University of Kentucky and the University of Colorado before leaving traditional academia in 1986 to dedicate her professional life to the advancement of science literacy in the United States. She accepted the position of Executive Director of the National Center for Science Education, a nonprofit science education organization with members in every state. Since then, Dr. Scott has worked nationwide to communicate the scientific method to the general public and how to improve on how science is taught in the schools. Dr. Scott is frequently called upon by the print, radio, and television media as a spokesperson for the scientific view, especially when conflicts arise between scientific and pseudoscientific explanations. She's nationally recognized as a proponent of the separation of church and state and is a member of the American Association for the Advancement of Science Dialogue on Science, Ethics, and Religion Committee, an internationally recognized expert on the creation-evolution controversy. She's consulted with the National Academy of Sciences, several states' departments of education, and legal staffs in both the United States and Australia. Dr. Scott has been honored by scientific societies, educators and community organizations, including the National Science Board, the American Society of Cell Biology, and the Geological Society of America. The California Science Teacher Association awarded her its Distinguished Service Award, and she has also been honored by the American Humanist Association, the Skeptics Society, and the Center for Inquiry. It is my very great privilege and honor to introduce Ohio State's Winter 2005 commencement speaker, Dr. Eugenia C. Scott. Thank you very much. Graduating seniors of Ohio State University, parents and families of graduates, friends of graduates, President Holbrook, Provost Snyder, members of the Board of Trustees, deans, administrators, and faculty, and other distinguished guests. Thank you very much for inviting me to share your graduation. Uh, you'll notice the order in which I greeted you. Students, parents, and friends first, 
This is because you are the most important participants in this event. I say this because in June, I will be sitting in an audience watching our daughter graduate. And I know I will feel that the graduating students and their parents are for that day the center of the universe. And today, so are you. So as I was writing this talk for your graduation, it crossed my mind that somewhere, some man or woman was writing a commencement speech for our daughter Carrie's graduation. And I thought that perhaps I might get some inspiration for this talk by reflecting on what I would like our daughter to be told by her commencement speaker. She, like you, is graduating from a world-renowned university. She, like you, has just spent the last four years working hard, learning new things, improving her thinking, writing, reasoning, and other skills, being exposed to new ideas, having new experiences, some of which, which her mother is never going to know anything about, probably kind of like your mom. She, like you, has had to make decisions and choices and live with the consequences. She, like you, has met new people, some of whom she liked, some of whom she didn't. You and she have spent four years growing, stretching, learning, thinking, and having fun. In her case, definitely, and I hope also the case for you. That is a tough act to follow. It seems terribly pretentious to think that I or Carrie's commencement speaker will be able to say anything to you that would stack up favorably against these last four years. So reflecting on Carrie's upcoming graduation left me at a loss for ideas of what to say to you. I asked some friends what they remembered about their college graduation ceremonies, and none remembered their commencement speaker at all, unless she or he had done something really gauche. Now, my commencement speaker when I graduated from high school spent the entire time speaking into the cameras for a later broadcast. He didn't make eye contact with us at all. He was only concerned with who was going to be seeing him later. See ya. These people are who I'm going to talk to. So like a good ex-college professor, I did some research. You might not realize that if you Google commencement address, you get 162,000 hits. I didn't read them all, but I read many that were just awful. And the good news for you is that I am not going to give an address on some thoughts on undergraduate education. It is, however, traditional at commencement to give the graduating seniors some words of wisdom. But I noticed that commencement addresses, on the contrary, often gave words of foolishness, like, Everything you know now will be wrong in 30 years, which is just plain dumb. 30 years from now, it will still be true that the Earth orbits the sun, that blood is composed of white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets, and plasma, and that another kind of plasma is composed of ions, electrons, and neutral particles, that George Bernard Shaw got the title of arms and the man from Armawirumquacano, Troyaiqui Primus Aboris and that the opening lines of the Iliad are an example of iambic pentameter. Continents move on massive plates of rock, pushed by extrusions from the Earth's molten core. Lee surrendered to Grant rather than Grant surrendering to Lee. Science cannot tell you whether or not people have souls. And beauty is truth, truth, beauty. That is all you know on Earth and all you need to know. That and buy low, sell high. 
Of course, the world 30 years from now will be different from the world of today. But most of what you have learned in the last four years will remain true, even if modified by new insights and data. This is nowhere truer than in science, the conclusions of which, paradoxically, you can expect to change a lot, at least in the sense of being added to. 30 years ago, but who's counting? <laughs> I received my PhD in physical anthropology and began teaching at the University of Kentucky. I taught that the closest relatives to humans were the African apes. This is still taught today. I taught that archaeological records showed an exquisite evolution of stone tool types, ranging from crudely chipped river cobbles to symmetric ovate stones worked on all the edges to flint and obsidian blades and points carefully prepared with an eye not only to balance and utility, but also for color and texture of the underlying stone, tools that were not only functional but beautiful. I would teach the same thing today, only in more detail, because we know more about those tools now than we did 30 years ago. Anthropologists have learned from geologists how to use trace elements found in stone tools to figure out what rock deposits they came from. And we have learned that prehistoric people had trade routes extending some time for thousands of miles. 30 years ago, I taught that human beings evolved the ability to walk on two legs before they became habitual tool users and that they were tool users before they developed big brains. This has not changed. Although we have learned since then that simple tool use goes back in time a million years earlier than we thought when I began teaching. 30 years ago, it was still a viable hypothesis that the large Australopithecine man-apes might be males and the smaller ones females. That hypothesis has been disproved by the discovery of new fossils, the distribution of which in time and space make impossible that earlier hypothesis. We had the basic outlines 30 years ago, but new discoveries have helped us fill in a lot of details while allowing us to ask even more questions about the pattern of human evolution. Even in a field like human evolution that most people consider to be constantly changing, there is still plenty of continuity. So just because the world changes, you don't have to worry about your fine education at Ohio State becoming obsolete. So don't believe, you. believe it when people tell you that everything you know now will be wrong in 30 years. Now there will be changes, much of it for the better. Only 30 years ago, after all, you could find whites-only signs in public drinking fountains. We're a lot better than we used to be, but we're still not perfect. And what our nation will be like 30 years from now depends on you. Will it be a kinder, more compassionate place? Will we preserve the beauty and fruitfulness of our country and the freedoms of our people? Will the opportunity for prosperity be shared? Internationally, will Pax Americana be spelled P-A-X or P-O-X? Will it... Pretty soon it will be up to you and the decisions you make because you're going to be running the show in another decade or so. You will be making the decisions that will shape not only your own lives but also the communities you live in and the country itself. I want to talk a little bit about making decisions because it will be important that you make good ones. As a college graduate and therefore an educated person and thinking person, you know that good decisions are based on evidence and logical inference, not opinion and prejudice, much less whim or fancy. That sounds good, but it's not easy. 
I'd say just about the hardest thing for anyone to do is to fairly evaluate evidence that, changes, that challenges one's ideologies, those beliefs that shape our actions. We all find it easier to embrace reinforcing our beliefs rather than to struggle to face what is true. Ideologies, however important to us, can lead us astray if they cause us to ignore empirical evidence, which means we have to bend over backwards to try to be as dispassionate as we can be to issues we hold dear. Does biology explain any of the behavioral differences between males and females? That's a tough one for a feminist. Are World Bank policies resulting in more economic misery? That's a tough one for a capitalist. Do basic principles of physics require the earth to be billions of years old? That's a tough one for a biblical literalist. Are there some conditions under which clear-cutting of forests is beneficial to them? That's a tough one for an environmentalist. The physicist Richard Feynman once noted that science is a way of thinking that keeps you from fooling yourself. He could have been talking about critical thinking in general. A few years ago, in a previous administration, an advisor to the president admitted that advice from scientists on a controversial issue was being ignored. He said, we know what they want to do. They'll only give us contrary advice. I don't think anyone believes that's the way to make good decisions. To keep from fooling yourself into believing that the arguments that reinforce your prejudices and ideologies are always sound, consider applying some of the rules we use in science, which aren't perfect but which have managed to produce a lot of reliable knowledge about the natural world. When you're inclined to agree with an idea, always ask, is there another explanation? You will usually be able to think of one. And follow that question with, what's the best explanation? Especially when the first explanation reinforces what you'd like to be true. To decide between ideas, see how they stack up against reality, which means weighing and logically analyzing evidence. Now I'm going to give you some advice because commencement addresses always give advice. What we need in America are critical thinkers who are willing to evaluate evidence, discard false information and sloppy thinking, and come up with thoughtful conclusions. Remember that in America, everyone has a vote, whether you use your brains or not. My advice, if you're not going to use your brains, don't vote. We already have plenty of people you never really know what an applause line is going to be. <laughs> we already have plenty of people who vote for a candidate for unthinking reasons. She's a woman. I'm going to vote for her. He's a nice guy. The other one's a stuffed shirt, so I'm going to vote for him. He's a famous movie star, so I'm sure he'd make a good governor. Okay, so I'm from California. Something you learned in your college courses is to do your homework. <laughs> you thought that was behind you. Wrong. You're going to be doing homework all your life. It's practice for living. So do your homework when you're running this country in a few years. Keep asking, is there another explanation? And don't just go with the one that seems good enough. The most difficult thing to do is to keep looking for that better explanation. But that's what you have to do if you're going to be a critical thinker. Because in truth, what distinguishes an educated person like you is not just the amassing of information, which of course is going to change over time. And some of you will contribute to that. But the acquisition of the skills of critical thinking, and that's something you can practice all your life. 
So that's the good advice part of this commencement address. Like everyone else who attends a university graduation, you will probably not remember it. What you will remember about this occasion, though, is the love, happiness, and pride of your families and friends in your accomplishments. And that, after all, is worth sitting through a commencement speech, however pretentious such things are. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your ceremony. I am proud to join you as a fellow graduate of Ohio State University. Thank you. I would now like to introduce Mr. Archie Griffin, President and CEO of the Ohio State Alumni Association, to provide a message for our new students. Thank you. And good afternoon. As President of the Ohio State University Alumni Association, it is my privilege to congratulate each of you on your achievement and warmly welcome you to the prestigious ranks of Ohio State alumni. You have been students here for four years, well, maybe five or six, <laughs> but you are alumni for life. Seeing you in your caps and gowns reminds me of the day back in 1976 when I received my degree right here in St. John Arena. My degree is the Ohio State achievement of which I am most proud. Sure, I played some football along the way, but please know that that's something that I did and my degree is something that I have, and now you have one too. With your family, thank you. With your family, friends, and faculty, I do want to salute you on your success. This is a great day for celebration. At Ohio State, though, it seems that uh, there's something to celebrate every day, whether it's passing your Ph.D. dissertation defense or cheering our women's basketball team that earned the number two seed in the NCAA tournament, who I'm sure have won the game today, or whether it's getting or whether it's getting great reviews on your art exhibit at the Hopkins, Hopkins Hall Gallery or cheering for the number one ranked men's gymnastics team that competes right here in this arena. There is a lot to celebrate all across the campus. Here are some recent points of pride that I've heard about that I'd like to share. The Mathematical Biosciences Institute is celebrating the identification of a new species of dinosaur, a medium-sized, that means six foot long, a raptor in Patagonia. An Ohio State researcher determined the specimen is 90 million years old. The Department of Astronomy is celebrating big news about something very small and very far away, 14 million light years away. Ohio State astronomer used the Hubble telescope to be the first to measure the smallest black hole in an active galaxy. The Ohio Senate has recently joined everyone at the university in celebrating the work of associate history professor Kevin Boyle. He received the National Book Award for nonfiction for his work, Arc of Justice. These examples reflect some of the many ways Ohio State is number one. Achievements such as these add luster to your degrees and add value to our lives. As Ohio State graduates, you are expected to make things better for those who come after you in your communities, your careers, and your university. We call that paying forward, using the education you received 
to benefit others. You need look no further than today's Distinguished Service Award winners to find outstanding models of alumni citizenship. Three-time Ohio State graduate, Associate Dean Ray Miller of the College of Food, Agriculture, and Environmental Sciences has been a friend and mentor to thousands of students, giving them the skills and advice needed for success in life. My friend, Judge Yvette McGee-Brown, is an advocate for children and families. She brings keen insights and a caring heart to some of society's most difficult issues. Judge McGee-Brown also gives strong volunteer leadership as a member of the Alumni Association Board of Directors. These honored Ohio State alumni and thousands more are paying forward by their actions every day. You have benefited from their knowledge, their generosity, and their lifelong commitment to Ohio State. I can't wait to see what you accomplish in the years ahead. Now, you all know that you get a complimentary one-year complimentary one-year membership to the Alumni Association. That complimentary membership begins today. It entitles you to many valuable member benefits, benefits such as personal career assistance and mentoring through the Buckeye Network, a student loan consolidation program, insurance plans, regional and national discounts, the Ohio State Alumni Magazine, and online news at our website. This membership is not all about benefits, though. It's about staying connected. It's about making Ohio State stronger. Now, after your free membership ends next March, I'm asking you to join as a dues-paying member. I'm asking you to pay forward because membership matters. Today, this grand celebration is certainly for you. I want you to be proud of what you have done. I want you to be confident in your ability to take on what is yet to come. And I want you to be thankful for all those who paid forward with you in mind. Congratulations, and as always, go Bucks! As I was thinking about what I might say to you at this commencement ceremony, I thought about Adrienne Smith's description of her university experience and what it meant to her. Adrienne graduated last quarter with a degree in geology and an education that provided her a means, as she said, to cross borders. She meant that both factually and figuratively. Ohio State provided her an opportunity to leave the borders of our country and travel to the Antarctic Circle, where she studied in the Ross Sea region of Antarctica. As an undergraduate researcher writing an honors senior thesis, she crossed another border, as she said, and I quote, between feeding off my professors and collecting their knowledge to creating knowledge. And she described her experience in working with diverse groups of students, faculty, and staff as crossing a series of cultural borders. With graduation, Adrian transitioned from being a geology major to a geologist. But the most important border that Adrian said she crossed at Ohio State was that between, was between, was that between a child who consumes the resources of her community and a citizen who is able to protect those resources and to create them. Adrian captured many facets of the purpose of higher education, expressed them in terms that were relevant to her own experience. Each of you will use your college experience to develop your own potential and capacity to adapt to a changing world and to become the kind of person you want to be. One of the major goals of a college education, of course, is to prepare you for an economically sound future. 
That outcome is often measured by an earning power, lifestyle created, or class ascended into. But higher education provides much more than that, and other successes are measured differently. Many of you know Ohio State's motto is education for citizenship. And as I see it, this is citizenship, just not just among Ohioans or even Americans, but among humankind. Education for citizenship extends well beyond the preparation of a career in a studio art, a science, a field of engineering, mathematics, or any of the 170 majors you could have selected at Ohio State. It is also the opportunity, as Adrian noted, to engage in meaningful interpersonal interactions that can be translated into a broader sense of self. Your Ohio State education has prepared you both for the practical world through the acquisition of knowledge in a discipline and for life in society as a person with social consciousness, a personal value system, the tools to understand individuals vastly different from as well as similar to you and the ability to make good choices. College provides you the opportunity and the time to seek out your place in society, to focus on the contributions you make throughout your careers using your knowledge and skills to explore an inner journey. Universities offer opportunity. It was your responsibility to seize that opportunity for professional and personal growth. This holistic approach for learning and understanding is embedded in the founding principles and missions of the land-grant university. President Abraham Lincoln described public education, and I quote, as built on behalf of the people who have invested in these public institutions, their hopes, their support, and their confidence. We have invested our hopes, support, and confidence in each of you as you cross the border from being a student to an alumnus. As you leave today with your diploma, you may not be fully aware of the depth of your educational experiences, but looking back years later, I believe you will see your education as a key step in personal grounding and the pursuit, pursuit of human excellence. And again, has been so well, said so well by another, education provides a basis for what we do as well as what we become. I expect each of you can identify academic and personal borders that you crossed while you were at Ohio State, some in the classroom, some in social settings, and many others in your mind as you set your priorities in a variety of domains. I know we provided you with opportunities and challenges that will help you assume your place as citizens in the world, and as Adrian said, as protectors and creators of the communities in which you will become a part in months and years ahead. Many borders now lie ahead for you to cross, from student to teacher, from follower to leader, from child to parent, dependent to independent. Your education has given you the skills and knowledge to make important contributions to business, education, the arts and sciences, to your governments, to schools, and to your neighborhoods. In fact, it's your responsibility as an Ohio State educated man or woman to do so. I, along with the faculty, the staff, your families, your friends, all wish you much luck and good wishes. Ohio State is very proud of your accomplishments, and we know that we're going to hear great things from you in the future. Congratulations to all of you. Thank you.